1: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
2: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM.
1: Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. In three, two, one. Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. Right now is the most important moment. It's just so unfair on every child who doesn't have options. It's amazing how many unintelligent people. There's, no, there's no yeah. the Spanish
2: does it. What is the matter with these people? We're the one for cork and ready to talk. Can
1: we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra
2: WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 96. Email
1: opinion at
2: 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's
1: kickstart the conversation.
2: This is The Opinion Line with PJ
3: Coogan.
1: On Cork's 96fm.
3: It's the weekend. At least it's the start of the weekend. And the weather forecast is probably the best it's been for the entire year. Certainly for the entire summer. Summer is here at last... Thanks be to goodness Warm, dry and sunny For the whole weekend So clean out the barbecue And enjoy it 0818969696 Good morning to you 0833969696 For your text, your WhatsApp Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie Coming up a little bit later A mother and daughter Something terrible happened To the daughter and they dealt with it together and then they decided to write a book about it so nobody else would have to deal with it the way they had to deal with it that somebody could learn from their experience and maybe avoid what the daughter went through talk to them later in the hour also catching up with our good friend Dr. Jack Lambert um, to talk about uh, the, the scourge of long COVID but I'll also find out from Jack where he thinks this present wave is going Glenn Wool's in town the comic, I'll uh, talk to him later and the new song by great band True Tides, I love True Tides their stuff is really really good, they have a new song out and we we'll catch up with them on this uh, Friday, that and plenty more between now and midday, but I want to talk first to Jamie because Jamie has just donated or is recovering from a donation to his son Teddy, not just any old donation. Jamie, you donated a part of your liver. You are a living donor. Good morning.
4: Hi, hey, Peter. Um, yeah, I'm a living donor. I donated a twenty percent of my liver to my son, Teddy. Um and that was the left lobe of my liver.
3: Uh, yeah. Tell me about this. Why did
4: why well, did it when become Teddy necessary? Well, before Teddy was born, um, when he was still in the womb, he was diagnosed with a, a condition known as a hypoplastic left heart syndrome. And uh, as we went through the pregnancy, we were gearing up for the, for that and getting ready for the implications of what that meant for Teddy, which meant uh, three heart surgeries um, to get him right. Um, but in his first week after birth, um, we they, the doctors figured out he also um, had atresia. Which is when the bile ducts in the liver aren't working properly, bile isn't getting into the gut properly. Um, uh, so we tried dealing with that. She went for a Kasai procedure in Leeds during the whole COVID pandemic, of course. Yeah. Um, and as time went on, uh, it turns out Kasai didn't work. There, there's, it's, you know, it's a. Uh, as has um, about a 60-70% uh, success rate. And yeah. in Teddy's, Teddy's case, it uh, didn't work. We'll, we'll break so, it down
3: into sort of little chapters, little little individual bite-sized pieces of information for people who, who wouldn't be familiar. So he was born with the heart condition and you knew that that would require a number of surgeries. And then when he was only a few weeks old, you discovered this liver condition. And that was... and. Bile is this stuff that helps us to digest all sorts of different foods, correct?
4: Yeah, that's right. It breaks down the food in your gut so you can absorb it into your system. Um, So, you know, without the bile going into your gut to break down your foods and you absorb it into the system, you're not getting your nutrients, you know, you're not going to grow, you're not going to be healthy and so forth. And that's what was Um, happening with
3: Teddy. His body was making bile, but it couldn't get into his gut.
4: Yeah, pr- pretty much so. It, the bile ducts weren't working properly for a Teddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he wasn't breaking down his nutrients and his food properly and so forth. And um, in turn, then not absorbing them into his system, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So things are just like running through him in a sense, you know? Uh, sure. So the first procedure then after that was a Kasai. And the idea today, the Kasai was to connect your bile ducts directly to your gut um, and hopefully trying to get some bile flow going there. But the. Um, the surgery itself, the scar tissue from a casite procedure, it's kind of unknown why it does it. Because sometimes when the scar tissue heals, uh, the, the surgery wouldn't be a success. It doesn't, it doesn't help. And that can happen, you know, 30, 40% of the page, patients where it wouldn't work. Um, it just turns out for Teddy, he was one of those patients where the casite procedure didn't work. But it was definitely the best option to go with at the start because he got, he'd got get to keep his own liver,
3: you know? Yeah. So this procedure was um, kind of, if you want, a little bit of plumbing. They tried a bit of plumbing before they had to do anything drastic. and, and, and then
4: yeah, 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 and that way he keeps his own liver and he doesn't have to go on a transplant list and so forth. Because, you know, um, so yeah, they tried that and we flew to Leeds for that during the whole pandemic. Um, the Irish Air Corps took Teddy over because with his heart condition, they had to fly the plane at a low altitude to keep the air pressure. Uh, at the right levels for Teddy. Wow. Um, so that was great. Thanks to the Irish Air Corps for that. Um, so flew to Leeds and we'd done the Kassai procedure. He spent uh, two weeks, three weeks in Leeds. We did as a family. And you know yourself with COVID, that, was, that can be hard in any family. because one parent in the hospital. So me and my wife were rotating in and out. Yes. One day in, one day out. And every day we go in, it was a new COVID swab, new wait for results, then left into the hospital. And we kept that up for the, the number of weeks we were there. Yes. Um, the Irish Air Corps brought Teddy home and it looked like it was working it looked like uh, his Billy Rubin account, uh in his system started coming down it looked like the Kisai was working um, but as time progressed it just showed that it, it wasn't um, so then we had to look at the alternatives um, uh, which was the liver transplant um, What so age was he at this he,
3: point Jim? Sorry? What age was he at this point?
4: Well, for the gasai procedure, Teddy was uh, just come about two, two and a half months old when we had the gasai. So um, tiny. When so we first tiny. Um, Yeah, when we first went for assessment in Belgium for the liver transplant, he actually turned one in Belgium while we were there. Okay. Um, myself, him, and his aunt went over because my wife was pregnant at the time. She got on a flight being thirty-six weeks pregnant. Yeah. So he was he was one. Uh, that was no, November, December, just gone. Yeah. Um. We went back in January for another assessment to check his heart to see if anything changed Um, because it was very delicate for Teddy to go for a liver transplant having a heart condition. Um, So there was a lot of monitoring there to keep an eye on his heart to make sure his heart could go through the process. And then in February this year, we flew back and on the 16th of February, myself and Teddy went into surgery together.
3: Okay. Let's let's break down the bits in between that. Like, when you're told that you're little boy, you very small helpless little boy that is only chance is a liver transplant how does how do you how do you process
4: that to be, to be honest, I don't think you do really process it I don't think I did I think if I looked at the whole picture as a whole it would overwhelm me and it would have broke me apart um, but I think I personally I, I just took one battle at a time. Yeah. Um, so first, it was like, okay, we get him to the Kasai, we get him through the Kasai, we make sure he survives that, and we hope that works. And when we are told that uh, that didn't work and we have to do transplants, then my next battle was let's get to Belgium and get through the assessment. Let's make sure that I'm a good donor for Teddy and that well, I can be his donor. Let's let So that was my next.
3: Yeah. Let's break that down a little bit. First of all, um, how did how did it enter the conversation? shall we say, Jamie, that you might be his donor. How did that come to be?
4: Well, me, myself, my wife, we've done the research on if Teddy took a, a donation from a deceased person, um, there's a higher percentage of um, success rate from a living donor I than see. there is from a deceased donor. Um, and we were reading we were reading into it and we looked at it and we were like, well, the best way to go is a live transplant from a live donor because it's such a higher success rate. Right. So that's what initially sent us that way. This is the best chance for Teddy. This I is see. the best outcome. So this is why we're going down this route. And so, am I
3: right in saying oh, that even though we have some magnificent transplant teams in this country and we do quite a number of liver transplants, we don't do living donations. Is that correct?
4: Uh, well, I, I... I can't comment 100 on that okay. because and I tell you why we don't do children's liver transplants. That's what I kind of meant.
3: That's what I kind of meant. Yeah,
4: yeah um, children here will go to Kings or Leeds for their liver transplants. There's a there's a good uh, talks and good teamwork between the English and the Irish healthcare system there, both sure. looking after each other. Um, I see. So uh, sorry, I kind of lost myself there. Now. You're, fine. Uh, You're fine. So yeah, so you so end up in Belgium? The, yeah, the Belgium. Uh, were the first to come back to us. We spoke in England to see where they assessed Teddy to do the transplant and things were moving on and time, we're, everything was time sensitive. Yeah. Um, but Belgium got back to us through the, Teddy's GI in uh, Dublin. Um, she reached out to them. She was a classic, fantastic GI. Um, and they said, yeah, sure, we'll assess the both of them. So I went for ultrasounds and blood works here in Ireland um, and they sent my results on to Belgium and they said, okay, you're the right blood type. Your liver looks healthy. Um, the two of you come over and we'll assess the both of you to see if you're a good match so we went over and they uh, put us through the ringer uh, CAT scans MRIs echoes blood work yeah. uh, respiratory uh, assessments uh, psychological evaluation to see if I was prepared to do the, the do- donation right um, we passed all of that in a sense uh turns out I was fit, fit as a fiddle and I was a, a perfect match for Teddy good. so it was let's go, let's go full steam mm. ahead here. And, the and psychological the
3: element is is interesting, isn't it, Jimmy, that, that that you had to talk to a psychologist. Why Why was that?
4: Well, I understand that. I mean, I presume when people are given a live donation, the hospital might be worried that uh, somebody might be pressured by the family into donating, even though they might not want to. Um in my case, though, being a parent, it was a no-brainer, you know, I, I mean, I mean, I almost pushed them into it, per se, you know, to, to get on with it, you know. But I can understand the psychological evaluation to see if there's like a brother or a cousin who's donating, but they're not actually sure they want to do it, yeah. and they just feel pressure. So I think the, the evaluation is to kind of determine that, you know. Yeah. And
3: so while, I, I while all this was it. going on, how was Teddy's health?
4: Um, from our point of view, I suppose, because we were around round him every day, we didn't. We did notice it, but not as much as others. But I, it was deteriorating. His jaundice was it was going higher and higher. He was getting more yellow. Okay. Um, yeah, he, he was. He was getting more anebrated and malnourished. You know. That's distressing. Um, so, so the procedure gets to go
3: ahead, and and what do you? You don't remember much, I imagine, of what happened.
4: I do. I well know. I, mm-hmm. I, I from my side of, it, I remember everything. So the so on the six the sixteenth of February, myself and Teddy went down to the surgery together because they had two theatres, one next to each other. I'm in one, Teddy's in the other. Um, they they do the spinal tap and the and so forth for the for the anesthesis and so forth. Um, and I remember them knocking me out to the part where they laid me down in the bed. And uh, about two, uh, two o'clock in the afternoon, so that's about six hours, seven hours later. they... I wake up in the ICU, Um, I'm groggy and so forth. Um, Teddy's still in surgery because they had to do more on Teddy. Uh, They had to take out his old liver um, and get him prepped for the new to go in. So I was a bit shorter in there. Um, They had me hooked up to every machine in the world uh, and they still had the spinal tap to keep me um, with pain relief. So. They kept anesthetic going into my body rather than morphine and so forth, because I don't think my liver, after just been through the surgery, could handle sure. taking morphine.
3: Sure. Um, so they've taken, what is it, a piece, 20% or something, is it?
4: Yeah, they took 20% of my liver, which turned out to be the left lobe of my liver, um, to give to Teddy. Mm. Now, I'll never go, you know yourself, the, the, the liver is a great organ, it can regenerate That's itself right. very That's well, right. but... I won't grow back the left lobe that they took from me for a teddy but my right lobe will grow and expand to yes. compensate for my loss yes yes so in time you know in time maybe another few more months maybe a year i should be back to 96 to 100% that's i'll be fantastic. back to my old way of life doing the things I, I did before all of this you know that's fantastic so the surgery from your point
3: of view your your side of it was a success and then how did Teddy do after that?
4: Well, straight away within, <clears throat> within the first couple of days, we could see the benefits. The jaundice mm-hmm. started clearing up very fast. Now, you got to remember, he's in ICU. There's a lot of machines, a lot of monitoring him, especially because of his heart. So um, he was very stable. There wasn't touch or go that we'd lose him or anything like that. But there was a lot of monitoring, monitoring him. So the first couple of days, we could see the benefits of the liver. It was starting to work. There was Mm -hmm. no signs of infection, no Mm -hmm. signs of uh, rejection of the liver, which we haven't had today yet, which is, touch wood, fantastic. I'm Mm going to keep going. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately for Teddy, because after any major surgery, you should get up and move around to prevent blood clots and that. Um, I could do that. Um, I could get up and move around with the help of the physios in the hospital, but Teddy couldn't. So unfortunately, Teddy suffered a blood clot and had a small stroke. Yeah, and he lost the use the right the right-hand side of his body for a while. Now, he is coming back from that. He's almost mm-hmm. 100%. And, you know, kids are very resilient, so mm-hmm. he's recovering quite well from that. But that was shocking as well at the time.
3: Well, it's is great that he is coming back from that. That was a setback that must have been a bit frightening. Now, I know that you have so many people that you want to thank, Jamie. But moreover, you you guys are left with enormous medical expenses and you've set up a GoFundMe to try to cover
4: that? Yeah, um, we should have to go me. like the the HSE and everything have been fantastic. They've helped us out uh, fantastic with this. They paid about 80% of the bills or so forth for us, good, which is good, what good. they were obligated to do. And we thank them for that. But under the Belgian system, um, they have what they call a co-payment thing. And this is for Belgian citizens. Um, and we were treated like Belgian citizens and we have to pay a portion, which is understandable. Okay. Um, so they're the bills now that are coming to us. Um, we found it a bit hard because with all these trips to Leeds and to Belgium um, and with me coming out of work to become Teddy's carer, um, it's just, it, it's a big financial burden. We used everything we had to sure. do all these trips and to support sure. ourselves while we were out of the country for so long sure. um, and now the bills have mounted. So we swallowed our pride and said, we start a GoFundMe, not just to cover Teddy's uh, liver bills, but hopefully his heart bills when they come, because Teddy still needs to have open heart surgery to repair his heart. Um, And then with the remainder, we want to help the charities that uh, got involved, that helped us to our journey. Uh, Name those out for me. Excuse me? Name those out for me. Yeah, um, there was uh, the Cleanest Foundation. I'd like to just give a shout out to them. They were fantastic with helping us financially to go to Belgium when we went there for seven seven weeks for Teddy's transplant. And the idea of their foundation is they understand people um, don't just have the hospital and the child care to take care of. They have other bills to take care of. Their flights, their car, their Car insurance, yeah. petrol, all of that. So they like to help with those financial sites Brilliant and they talk, give the yeah. uh, donations so. people. So that's the Keena Foundation. Uh, if people would like to look at their website and see what they do and help them out, Keena. We had we've had them on.
3: We've had them on, and they do they do fantastic work for people. And and they're one of these charities that no one has been talking about until recently. And the work they do is fantastic. The GoFundMe will come up on a simple search. Jamie medical bills for Teddy's liver transplant you are on the road to recovery he's got massive heart surgery ahead of him but he's on the road to recovery it's a huge yes. success story and I'm just so, so glad that it's all seemed to be mm. working out well uh, and I, mean, I, I suppose there are no words lastly Jamie there are no words to thank the the brilliant doctors and nurses and professionals
4: um, yeah I mean I suppose I, I do have words like the, um The GI team and the the cardiac team in Crumlin, they're fantastic individuals. The nurses and doctors have stayed with Teddy's side the whole time and supported us. Um, The physios, speech and language up there, the same. They've done great work with Teddy. And the same in CUH, the pediatric doctors and the seahorse and the nurses and the seahorse have stood by Teddy's side and made our journey a lot easier with the work they've done for us. You know, these HSE workers on the ground are phenomenal. They absolutely are And they've got great hearts And they're kind people uh, Very, very grateful we've had them all on our side you know? Well, long may his
3: recovery continue In the direction it's going And yours And very kind words for the people who've done All that for him uh, Jamie Good uh, Talking about his son, Teddy And our thoughts as well with his mom Sheila And his sister Who's also called Jamie uh, she was born uh, at the start of this year. If you want to find out more about that, go follow me and read more about the family. Just Google search Medical Bills for Teddy's liver transplant. We're ready to go.
2: go, go, go. It's showtime. So time. The Cork's 96FM. Best of Cork Awards are back.
1: It's time to nominate places and services that are the best in Cork. Best in Cork. From best beauty salon to breakfast. Best takeaway to gym. Hairdresser to hotel. Best bar to best local tradesperson and more.
2: See 96FM.ie now to nominate. Ben, stay listening. It's about
1: time. Woo! The best of Cork Awards with LocalHeroes.ie for trusted tradespeople with a 12-month warranty backed by Gosh Energy.
2: It's about time. Only on Cork's 96FM. Can
5: we just
2: talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
1: Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 96
3: 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Do you know sometimes when you, you talk to people... Uh, on this programme, or any programme like this, you kind of think, well, they're now talking about something that could happen to any family listening to us this morning. And any family listening could be caught just as easily, just as innocently as they were. But not every family would write a book about it. Not every family would be as together and as organised, I think, and as close, I think to be able to sit down and write a book about it. The book they've written is called When You Lose It and I'm speaking of mother and daughter Roxy and Gay Longworth, who join me now Good morning ladies, welcome to the programme
6: Good morning
3: morning. I I introduced it by saying this is a problem this is something that could happen to any family but I haven't mentioned yet what it is. Roxy you were thirteen when this happened. Tell, pe- tell yeah. people what happened to you.
7: Um. When I was thirteen, I was coerced into by a couple seventeen-year-old guys at my school into sending explicit photographs, which they then sent across the whole school, and everyone had them. And the shame and humiliation after just made my mental health completely deteriorate until how, I was self-harming.
3: How did it start, drugs? I flattered, like flattered. It
7: started, I was flattered to start with. It was, It was. you know, they were older. I was only 13. I was so young. I was quite flattered. And then very quickly, there was just a huge amount of pressure to send these photos. And when I said no, the pressure built and built. And as soon as they had one, they used it to ask for more and more explicit photos with the threat that they would send them to everyone at school. Wow.
3: Gay, when did you realise or did you realise something was
0: wrong?
6: I, I had no idea. I, I didn't know anything was happening um, until Roxy had been dealing with this all by herself for about nearly two months. So I, I was brought into school three weeks into term and told... That Roxy had been sending photos to boys. That, that's how it was put to me. Right. I was blindsided.
3: Yeah. You were clearly Roxy. You were, you felt helpless, and and you felt you'd been looped into this, and you felt you'd no one to turn to.
7: Yeah, I mean, when they were when they were making these threats, it didn't. No, it was like, send the photos or we'll send them to everybody else. And that didn't feel like an option. Like, that wasn't a choice. Like, the thought of everyone having them and my parents finding out was just, it, it wasn't an option. And I just, I had, I felt like I had nobody. I was completely on my own and I, I was completely trapped and they just owned me.
3: Yeah. And tell me, did you think about telling your mom at any point?
7: I tried once um, to kind of tell her this was when it had gotten really bad but in the third person I sort of I told her that I had had an idea for a book about a girl who had done what I'd actually done what had happened like, and just to kind of see what her response was. Um, it wasn't good. <laughs> and she basically said anyone who does that is really stupid and basically deserves what they've got if they have been- that's stupid and it's really hard to write a book about a main character that you don't like. So I thought I'm um, yeah
6: pretty hardcore, right?
0: Yeah um, I,
6: mean, I, I was just I was trying to be so emphatic that it was a dangerous thing to do and of course it's one thing saying don't do it but what I what you never say is but you know if something has happened, like if you do drink too much at a party or somebody one of your friends takes something they shouldn't have taken call me. You'll never be in trouble for calling me. But I didn't say that about photos. I was like, don't do it.
3: We, we've all had the conversation with our teenagers, gay I think, or many anyway. This way, I said it can happen in any family. And I've had teenagers myself, so I kind of know what I'm saying here. Like, yeah. they come to you with a story and they go, you know, I've got this friend or this, this girl at school or third party and was there a suspicion there at all that she might have been talking about herself?
6: Really, genuinely, no. I mean, you know, she, she had just turned fourteen at that point. It was, it was unimaginable to me. Um, I'm, I'm sad to say. No. I, I just couldn't imagine that.
3: And she had, she Cabinet. had changed. I think she had changed. But you thought that's part of being thirteen, and. Yes, as I say, as a parent of teenagers, I know there's a thing happens when they're 13.
6: So. <laughs> I mean, I, I was definitely, you know, I'm the police keeper. I'm the, you know, I'm the one who says no. I'm the one who gives the curfew. So, you know, I, I was expecting a bit of pushback because she was a teenager. So um, I didn't, you know, I didn't see it for what it was, which was a really, a, a cry for help. So I would say to anyone, if the, if their behavior changes, as dramatically, well, it wasn't even dramatic, but as noticeably, Mm -hmm. then dig, start digging somehow, find a way to have a conversation.
7: Because I retreated because I could not look my mum in the eye. Like, I thought just from looking in my eye, she would see what was going on. I was so embarrassed.
3: You were so afraid that she might find out. Yeah. Yeah. It must have been been a horrible place to be, Rox, was it? Did you think? Yeah, there I
7: mean was no... to lose control. Yeah, to lose all control of your body and your life like that at thirteen and fourteen—it's just it's pretty unimaginable, to be honest. So yeah,
6: you th- you th- yeah. Sorry. Go on, go on. <laughs> I just—I think Roxy just genuinely thought her life was over, and and really one of the reasons for writing the book is to. To, to tell everybody that even if you are in that really embarrassing, humiliating place, your life isn't over.
7: Yeah, and we both made we both made so many mistakes, and because the book is written from two separate narratives, we've written completely separately our own experience. You yeah. see very clearly
6: my mistakes and my mum's mistakes. Uh-huh. Mm, so hopefully, no one else
3: goes through it. And that's that. And that's why the book is so important and, and I'll come to writing it in a second, but just to continue the story for a moment. So you were called into the school and yeah. the version of events is, or that you're told is that Roxy has been sending out pictures. What What's your immediate reaction?
6: Um, <clears throat> immediate reaction is like being punched in the solar plexus. Um, and, but when I started thinking about it, I, I did ask, you know, who, who who the boys were. You know, who, I was, yeah, I, I, it's really hard to go back to that moment because it's, it's the kind of moment that our family life slightly, you know, ended. Um, but I, I, it was very much, the onus was put on Roxy very quickly yeah. and... Um, I sort of I, I followed their lead because, you know, teachers and the school are the ones with the authority. Yeah. They're the educators. I, I, I'm not. I'm just the parent. And
3: I, I was, Do you know, as a, as a parent, and and as I say, one one parent of teenagers one time to another. Your was your first instinct to confront Roxy, or. Was your first your first instinct? This can't be right.
6: It was a bit of both, actually. Um, yeah. It was a, it was a bit of both. I, I I obviously wanted to talk to Roxy and get her version, but but there was there was equally this you know nothing. It just didn't you know something wasn't quite adding up, um, mm-hmm. and, and I didn't understand. Promise you, I didn't understand the full extent of what she had been through until I read her version of When You Lose It, of, of, of oh, the Oh, really? We wrote it separately. I promise you. Okay. okay. Because I don't think Roxy could put it... Yeah, Roxy couldn't put it into words. I didn't understand.
3: And and Roxy, when it all came out, and I'll come to the book now in a minute, because it's a great way to bring, the, bring the, book, the writing of the book in, but when it all came out, and Mum knew, what was your... Initial reaction?
7: I mean, <clears throat> by the time my parents had been told by the school and the school had brought me in, if I'd already kind of watched the photos spread through school. I'd kind of watched as people, more and more people knew just from their facial expressions and the things that people would say to me, so, like for, for weeks. And so by the time they found out, I had just, I was just, it was all, I was in this whole. I was just—I was in this hell. I could, it wasn't really—it wasn't that relevant to me that they knew any—that they'd found out because I'd already kind of been pretty destroyed by it. It had mm. been months. Was and it I, a relief I, in I,
3: some way, though, that they knew?
7: I mean, not really. I—I—I I, I didn't feel like I had any had anybody after that, and I was just completely—I was so ashamed, and I felt so guilty. Mm. It was just it was this it was this overwhelming guilt. I never thought I was a victim of anything for years and years after. Like it was I just I felt like I needed to punish myself.
3: Yeah. I should remind people you're you're 19 now. So the writing of the book. First of all, the idea for the book. Where did whose idea was well, I take it it was probably you, gay, cuz you're a writer anyway, but well, well, was
6: actually, it? It, was, it was Roxy. Was Roxy it? Wanted to write, yeah, she wanted to write it. Um, when, when she got her life back on track and she was at Sixth Form College, she was doing A-levels and she decided <laughs> to write it um, on her own. And I think it was a sort of 100,000 words of pure just relief. Right. And then she said she wanted me to help her because I'm a writer, but I also ghostwrite.
7: Because it was an 100,000-word rant of anger. (laughs) I was so angry. And so in the evenings, I would just explode and write it all down, which I probably needed to do, but it wasn't very readable or it wasn't going to be helpful for anyone because it was just
6: angry. So So we thought in our wisdom that I would ghostwrite it for her. So we sat down, as I do with anyone that I'm ghostwriting for, to have the first interview. And within about three and a half minutes... We we stormed out because when Roxy first started speak, telling me, I was like, "Well, it wasn't quite like that." This happened, something else happened, and she was like, "It wasn't like that." And I was like, "Well, it wasn't really like that." And we realised that we, our separate our separate accounts were completely different. So instead,
7: a few a couple months later, we went into the first lockdown and we went into two different rooms and we realised that we hadn't told any we hadn't told each other. What had happened? So we went into two different rooms and we wrote our separate accounts, sort of like an extended letter to each other of our own experiences. Wow.
3: Yeah. The hundred thousand word rent, as you refer to it, Roxy. Like did you read that in its raw form, gay?
7: Um I did didn't show I actually didn't show I didn't show my mum that one. It was when I sat down to write her my the letter of what had happened to me. That's the version. That she read because the rant was it was for me. That was like I needed to. I hadn't told anyone. I hadn't spoken to anyone about it. I needed to explode. Yeah.
6: I didn't read the rant. I I read pretty much the version that you've
3: got in your hands because we you? didn't
7: exchange it until we'd finished the whole thing because we didn't want any hindsight to affect it. That's yeah.
3: now that is remarkable. So you effectively mm-hmm. wrote this book together, but separately, and neither of you saw the other person's version of the story. Until you'd written it all down,
6: yeah, yeah. Because you know, it, yes, but it was sort of genuinely without without hindsight
3: or or wisdom. It, it, it's pretty raw. And you know, and I'm going to put the same question to you both. And I actually start um, in reverse order, Roxy. When when your mum wrote down her memory. And you read it for the first time. How did that go down with you?
7: Mm. That was a big day.
3: Mm. Um,
7: I was angry. I have. I still probably am a little bit angry. I have a lot of things to get my head around the way that she handled things. and But it helped me start to understand the decision she made. Like it started, yeah, it's... That was when I could begin to kind of break through that anger and try and get my head around it all. Um, I, also, she's an incredible writer. So the other part of me was like, oh, my God, this is... this is, I know she's writing about me, but this is still horrific. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and the third part was like, oh, my God, we might actually be able to help people with this. Like, yeah. we might actually be able to help, which was... It was a horrible thing to write. It was just, it was a horrible thing to read. And we had such opposing versions. And then, but we kind of brought together in this thing, which was like, this is good. This could help people. We can actually make something come of this horrific three-year period of our lives.
6: Yeah.
3: And Gay, when you read, what your daughter had been through for the first time?
6: Heartbreaking. Um, so sad. Uh, very difficult to um, revisit my version, knowing now what I did not know then, but a little bit like Roxy said, you know, as awful as it was, you know, I I thought it was good. You know, I thought it was a really strong piece of writing and I was staggered by Roxy's writing. you know, she was only she was seventeen or eighteen exactly. when they wrote it. I mean, seventeen—it's uh, phenomenal. So um,
3: DNA is a wonderful know. thing, isn't it?
6: Kay? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? I I just wish that I had read that book when Roxy was thirteen. I, I think it would have all been very different if that had been the
3: case. Yeah. <laughs> You're both. I. You are you very close now. The two of you.
7: I mean, my mum's not my best friend. No, (laughs) that's fine. I'm your (laughs) mum. Yeah, we go have cocktails together, It's quite nice. And we have have a relationship, which it was very possible after everything that happened, because we really drifted apart for a couple of years. It was really possible that we never would have sat down and had the conversation that brought us back together. And that's what the book did. So, you know, it, it really... Saved
3: our relationship. Yeah, agreed. It saved your relationship, and it could well save many, many other families from going through what, what you went through. Because I think that prob- what's in it is probably an observation from one to the other of how these things can happen. And the lesson from this book is: it could be anybody's family tomorrow. It's an incredible piece of work. It's available now. It's called "When You Lose It" by Roxy and Gay. Longworth. Congratulations to you both. You've written a very very important book and thank you for being with me today.
6: Oh, Thank, thank you so, so much.
3: much. Cheers. Uh, that's, that's Roxy and Gay. The book is called When You Lose It. If you need help uh, if anything that you've been listening to uh, has triggered anything within you, you can contact the Sexual Violence Centre Mary Quilly's team. Uh, 1-800-496-496. You can text them at 087- one five three 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 nine three. You can pop them an email, info at sexualviolence.ie, and there is an uh, intimate image abuse hotline also. And the book is called When You Lose It. Well, back publishing, and I'm very sure my friend John Breen in um, Waterstones, or indeed the good people in Dubray or any bookshop, can find it for you. It could be your family tomorrow. It could have been my family when. Thanks, wow.
6: Gurgle, That was, he was amazing. See you guys.
3: It would be. It, it could have been my family when, when when my daughter was thirteen. It's a it's a crucially important book. Michael has contacted us from or about his brother, who is in Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam. And in case you thought Dublin was the only airport. Where things are a bit dodgy of late. That's not true anyway. But there's five-hour queues in Schiphol in Amsterdam. I've been there. Oh, God. Our thoughts with anybody out there right now. 0818 96, 96, 96. Now, the Godfather Challenge in Tony's Bistro. I went in there in... I'd say it would have been either 2011 or 2012. Probably 2012, actually. And I tried it. (laughs) And I failed dismally. And I wasn't able to eat for... I'd say about two days after it. The Godfather Challenge, in case you don't know, is one of Tony's Bistro's... um, most famous attractions. It's 30 quid worth of breakfast, basically. And if you can eat it all... Uh, you get it for free, and you've two and a half hours in which to eat it. And I got all the meat eaten, but I failed I just, I just lost it. I was, I was, banjaxed, as they say, after an hour. But Randy Santel <laughs> went in and did it uh, originally in 2013. Randy, you did it in 47:02. How on earth did you do that? Good morning.
8: Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on the show.
3: I saw the video this morning. How the heck did you do it? Nearly Christmas 2013.
8: That's a lot of breakfast. I will say that. But actually in 2013, during all kind of the same trip, I beat the top three biggest breakfasts in all of Ireland, which was a a pretty cool feat because most of them were undefeated. Uh, Not the Tony's one, though. I think I was like the third person to win that, but the record was like over two minutes or two hours. Yeah. So it was uh, it was a pretty big deal that I did it in the 47 minutes. But no, it's just, uh, you always just, uh, it's all about stomach capacity, really. So I know you got to have that ready. But then there's just so many different items as part of that challenge. So it, it, it has a lot to do with strategy as well. Yeah. I noticed
3: from your video, you started with small pieces of meat and then you got through as much of the meat as you could before you even started on bread I think my mistake was I started to make sandwiches early, and I filled my stomach with with, with, with bread. But I mean, you're not a big, you're not a very, you're not a, you're not a large man. So how, how do you get the stomach capacity for something like that?
8: Well, I'm, I'm larger than I was back in 2013. I will say that. But right. no, I don't. I don't think that your strategy necessarily might have been wrong. I think it was more of a, a stomach capacity thing. Yeah. Uh I don't know if you trained for it or anything, no. but something like this, it's not something that you can just wake up and, and do one day just for fun. That's a that's a lot of food. But no, one of the one of the reasons that I eat the meat first and, and it might have been for you too, but you want to eat the meat while it's still warm and juicy. Yes. Uh because as it as it as it cools down, uh it just uh it's just a matter of, of how it is. It just kinda dries out and then it gets harder to chew and eat. And yeah. in order to get it down, you have to, to drink more liquids in order to get it down. So, But uh, with the sandwiches, I plan on doing that again today because yeah. the juices from the meat, and then I might even dip it in the bowl of beans too just to get the juices from the beans, yeah. just trying to get it all down as quick as you can. And do
3: you think you can break 4702?
8: Uh, you know what? I still have a lot of burger in me from last night uh katina my girlfriend and i were both doing the challenge today but also we went to dwyer's of cork yesterday and we did like an over seven pound loaded burgers and fries challenge so it was a one and a half kilo uh just burger patty itself topped with beef brisket and uh, there was like a two pound bun too it was pretty crazy but uh we had a good night's sleep so i think we're I think we're both going for the victory. I know we're both hoping to win in under an hour. I'm definitely hoping to break my record for sure.
3: Now, you guys, uh, you, you you met a, at a competition, and 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 now you become partners. And you you did the box. Did you do a boxy challenge in West Cork? This enormous box. Yes.
8: D- <laughs> yeah, we went to the brick oven because uh, I went to uh, Cork a couple years ago, and I think 2018. Actually, it was the last time I was in Cork too, because I did a challenge. At uh, the Oliver Plunkett, uh, I did a, I did a burger challenge there. But yeah, we did. Uh, she did. It was like a three kilogram beef and Guinness boxty, and then I did a three kilogram uh, smoked haddock boxty uh, in a cream sauce. It was it was really good.
3: Like that's a half that's a half a stone of fish and potato. <laughs>
8: Yeah, it was over two pounds of smoked haddock. So I don't—I've uh, had fish and chips since, but not too much other fish.
3: <laughs> yeah, two pounds. I mean, I love I, I love haddock. I love fish, but I don't think I'd eat two pounds of it and all that
8: potato with it. And yeah, there was over three pounds of boxties or, or potato pancakes. <laughs> but yeah, that was at the brick oven and bantry. Brilliant.
3: So and you're back in Tony's. When are you? Are you going to Tony's today?
8: Yep. Yeah. Two thirty. I'm gonna Two. go first, and then my girlfriend Katina. She's gonna be able to watch me and kind of figure out her strategy. Oh, she hasn't done that. She hasn't. Actually, yeah, she hasn't really done an Irish breakfast uh, actual challenge of this sort. We both did about a three kilogram breakfast roll at a place called Pips in crumlin of the dublin area yeah yeah, yeah. but that's a little bit different because it was kind of a sandwich this is just going to be a giant spread of breakfast food it's big i mean i've seen i've seen
3: guys go in after a night out half a dozen guys in after a night out and just buy one of them and barely manage to finish it so i think you guys are you're great you're great so maybe we could find out on monday who won
8: Hey no that would be great. Yeah, we're going to be we've actually today's our 1 month anniversary. We've been in, we've been in Ireland since uh, June 8th. So it's been great here Fantastic. But I'm hoping to be able to live stream my my challenge which should start around 2:45 I think. That'll be on my Randy Santel Facebook page.
3: Very good. All right, look forward to it Randy and Katina. Good luck with that this afternoon. He's hoping to beat the record of 47 minutes 02. On that, good luck to all of Tonys uh, great to, great to see you still doing it guys. Um, it it completely defeated me and I'm no doubt it would again. <laughs>
2: Simon Burda and the best music mix.
1: Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. Flying you through your afternoons in Cork with all the best tunes, latest news, trending stories. And it really is a summer of concerts on Lee's side. I've got the tickets for you. Did you enjoy the gig? Oh my God, outstanding. I would go to another one tonight if I could afford to. You sounded a little bit hoarse there, uh. A little bit, yeah. I kind of did try and sing a few songs now that I'm very good. In the heart of it! <laughs> <laughs>
2: show you what it's all about Simon Murdoch midday to 4pm
1: with Ford Gosh Energy a summer boiler service keeps you warm in the winter so get a great deal with FordGoshEnergy.ie
2: on Corks 96FM The Opinion Line on Corks 96FM
1: Hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96FM.ie
3: Uh, uh, No name with this one Blown away Listening to Roxy and her mom. No words really Only honesty Uh, The healing would make Such a relevant textbook In the school curriculum So it would So it would The point that they make Which I think is the most important Is that neither of them In writing the book Neither of them Saw what the other had written Until it was all written Uh, They didn't write it Together, they they wrote the book separately and then brought the two versions of their story together. And that's the most powerful element of it. It's called When You Lose It. Uh, thanks for that. They were great. They really were great. 0818 96, 96, 96 There was something in my head to tell you now and I have completely forgotten what it was. So as always you do know PJ, forget it and move on to the next topic of conversation because if you try to think about it, it being Friday it's been a long week and it looks like being a nice weekend so just move on to the next topic of conversation which I will do. And I remember very early on in the COVID pandemic. It would have been as early as, I would say, August of 2020, certainly it was no more, no later than the middle of September. We began to hear uh, of people who had gotten COVID in March and April of that year and were still sick. And they were still sick in a variety of different ways. I remember hearing from a friend of mine In Dublin Who got it in April And had been fit and healthy And ran quite a bit And nearly four or five months later Was still unable to Go up two flights of stairs at the one time Without stopping for breath This was quite a young person And the term Long Covid Was coined As it were And at the time People thought, maybe this is just a few. Maybe it's rare. What the heck is going on here? Most people get COVID. They can get very sick, but they were recovering, thankfully. But long COVID was a different beast, a very different beast. And throughout the pandemic, we've spoken quite regularly with Professor Jack Lambert. From the UCD School of Medicine, um, and recently, Dr. Lambert was before the Arachas Health Committee, updating them uh, on the situation with regard to long COVID. And 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 Jack, you are now, I guess, that is part of your research now. You're researching long COVID because there's so much of it out there. Good morning again.
9: Good, good morning. Yes. So so actually, we we started at the Mater. We had the first COVID patients in in Ireland. You know, back in. March 2020. So we actually established a clinic within three months to follow up the patients from our hospital, our staff, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we've been monitoring people and, you know, and and following them from the very beginning. And yes, so long COVID is a real entity. um, And, you know, we kind of knew this was coming because we looked at the stuff that was coming out of China. They were three months ahead of us. And then even before, you know, COVID, there was Remember SARS, some people have followed up SARS patients and some of those SARS patients, it's the same kind of virus. Some of them had long SARS for years and years afterwards. So we kind of saw this coming and it's here.
3: And was there a difference between this long COVID or long SARS, as you had, and post-viral syndrome, which is a real thing? Right.
9: But 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 that's, you see, the thing is, is that post-viral syndrome is just this nebulous, oh, you must have caught You got a flu. You must have caught a virus. You're still not well. It's post-viral syndrome. You know, that is, this is, it, to me, it's, that's kind of, a, you know, people have people are exhausted after, you know, getting some kind of infection. And years and years later, they, say, oh, you've got chronic fatigue syndrome. I always kind of ask what causes chronic fatigue syndrome? Okay. What causes people to have persistent symptoms? And COVID is one of those. So,
3: so you um, would consider so the term post-viral syndrome, Jack, a little dismissive then?
9: It's totally dismissive. It's okay. just giving somebody a label, you know, and, okay. and there's, there's no help in that situation. Thank so you for that. Because thank you uh, for
3: that, because that's yeah. the clarification. So how prominent is long COVID and in what ways did it, does it affect people? Yeah,
9: yeah. Well, We don't know how, how prominent it is, but at least in the patients that we saw in our clinic, we've seen over a thousand patients and we did questionnaires in the, some of the first 155 to see, you know, in, how they were doing along the way, and at at one year post-COVID, in our in in, in the since we kind of recruited to, you know, our, our the, the the questionnaires that we did about a third of them still weren't right a year, and you know, like one or two percent were just like totally disabled, unable to go back to work with mostly brain-like symptoms, you know, like uh, brain fog, exhaustion, um, headaches concentration problems, energy problems, sleep disturbances, personality changes, you know, all stuff and then the cranial nerves, you know, are involved. You know, I've heard the smell and taste being affected with long COVID, but it's not. Just, the other nerves are affected as well. So one of the nerves, called the vagus nerve, seems to be inflamed as well, and that causes tachycardia, heart going too fast, heart going too slow. You know, dysautonomia, they call it. So it's kind of a, you know, it's 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 for, if if you're one of those unlucky people to to get long COVID a year later, it, it's quite incapacitating. It's
3: neurological damage, really, isn't it?
9: Yeah. It is. And that's, And if you look at every publication, I mean, I, I, every day I, I do a, what's called a PubMed search. I check and there's new data coming out every day. Yes, it's the brain. It's the brain. It's the brain. The brain is inflamed. The brain is damaged in a small percentage of people. And viruses go to the brain, you know, I mean, you know, and, and a third of patients with, you know, long co- with COVID, uh, you can, you know, you can actually identify you know, um, you know, COVID in the, you know, in some cases in the spinal fluid. So, you know, so 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 it isn't just the it wasn't just the heart the lungs that were affected by COVID, you know, because we thought COVID is a respiratory virus, it's gonna do damage to the lungs. The lungs seem to heal, the heart seems to heal, but in some patients the brain's not healing.
3: Right. That's obviously very, very concerning. Is and is that where your research is directed, Jack, as to how we might be able to repair this neurological effect?
9: Yeah, well it's not just research, but it's care. So yes, so so that's exactly what, what you need to do. And then on top of that, we need to provide psychological support, you know. So so the reason I was in the Octus is because the, the Irish HSC put together guidance, interim guidance for the manager of long COVID and, and the focus really is on what we thought two years ago the heart and the lungs would be affected. And and I you know, so so my my point of it of, of it and the point of the research I've done is saying we need to kind of, you know, add more resources into the Irish long COVID plan to include psychological support, to to, to include neuro rehabilitation. Um, and that hasn't been resourced. And that's the, mm. that's the problems that patients have. And then finally, we, we can't, you know, there's so many people with long COVID. It's not, you know, if, you know, probably 5 million people in Ireland have been infected with COVID. I mean, that's, probably right even though the statistics say a million and a half if there's so many people in the country with long COVID we actually need to work with the GPs and train the GPs so that they can manage the patients locally because the patients are going to the GPs and the GPs are at a loss as to what to do Hmm. to manage these patients.
3: Have you come across any particular cohort of people age state of general health etc that are more prone or have been more prone?
9: Yeah well, no, everybody seems to be getting long COVID, you know, like young and old. Um, but, you know, maybe people who are, have some pre existing, you know, immune dysfunction, something wrong with them, you know, some people have autoimmune diseases. Um, and then it's more predominant in women than men. Um, but maybe that's just because women have more kind of autoimmune diseases. But it's, you know, 60, 40, 60% women, 40% men, at least in my experience. Um, so there are some, um, there are some kind of like patterns, but anybody is at risk. Kids can get it old people can get it, middle aged people can yeah. get it, men and women can get it
3: I guess this is why uh, even though the general view among us in society, society now would seem to be well look the worst of this is in the rear view mirror mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which I guess is an attitude that's only natural people yeah. are sick and tired of it yeah. but it, it worries people like you when we are mm-hmm. taking a laissez fair attitude to it Right.
9: Yeah. Yeah. Look. Look. I'm. I'm so happy we're not where we were two years ago yeah. with this Delta virus. You know, putting. You know, staff. My staff in the ICU. My consultants in the ICU. People in the community in the ICU. That's that's happening, very rarely anymore. Um. Which is great news. You know, our yeah. hospitals are not being flooded with really sick people. But. But still, I don't. It, this is not the flu. We shouldn't be throwing caution to the wind, and you know, vaccines are not preventing us from catching COVID. And. My staff here—I've got some of my staff have had COVID three times. You know, um, you know, we we've been decimated in the last couple of weeks, and you know, we're short-staffed in clinics and stuff. So it's still circulating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not killing people, but it's incapacitating our service, services, incapacitating, you know, incapacitating employers in the country. Um, and and it's also going to incapacitate a few people who get long COVID. Yes. So I'm still wear I'm still wearing a mask. You know, I mean, I mean, and I think as we surge, I think it's just a common sense thing to do because um, vaccines are not going to prevent you from catching COVID. Um, you either take your chances, uh, get COVID, be out of work for 10 days, infect your family, and run the risk of long COVID, or you know, you you yeah, get try back not on board to, get it. to using
3: mask again, <laughs> and and if we are fully vaccinated, Jack, and thankfully a huge proportion of the of the community is, a you 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 can still get it, but your body is better equipped to fight it. That's that is a fact, isn't yeah. it?
9: Yeah, that is true, but 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 then again, the, the omicron variant is is not causing a severe disease. So 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 I think that you know I, I'm I'm a fan of vaccines. So I think people should be vaccinated. But vaccines don't prevent you from yeah. catching the infection, and vaccine and and if you do get the infection, the vaccine won't prevent you from getting long COVID.
3: Yeah, and lastly, uh, the present wave. We're in we're in a wave at the moment. Uh, thankfully, the weather is about to improve. We're moving more and more outdoors. Do you think, Jack, that this present wave, which has been a problem for a lot of people, could it wane away now over the next couple of weeks?
9: I think it'll wane over the next month. I think it'll probably wane again. I mean, the the you know, coronavirus has been around for a while, um, and you know, people can catch three coronavirus infections in a year yes um you know that's that's the history that's that's from the the textbooks say that from the 1970s so i suspect we're going to see three or four waves a year as new variants come along so i just think we have to be extra careful for the next few weeks
3: good and one last question in the phone how long after having covid and recovering can you get it again well i've seen people get it
9: within a month Breaking. Or two months, yeah. So okay. that's that. That's the sad part. And the vaccines only appear to kind of give protection for yeah. three or four months. So I'm yeah. not saying don't get it, but we need better vaccines in the future that will give you, you know, vaccine protection yeah. for a year, like yeah. the flu vaccine. That's yeah. the future.
3: And is it? And can it be worse the second time?
9: That's it can exactly. Yeah, it's unpredictable. You know, yeah. it's. It, and I have, I have people who've got two episodes of COVID and the, the second, you know, well, the, the second, the first one was mild and the second one was severe and I've had vice versa. We
3: yes. don't understand. We don't know. We don't know so much. We still don't know. Thank you very much again for being with us on the opinion line. Dr. Jack Lambert from the UCD School of Medicine, and infectious diseases consultant at the matter. Um, yeah, <clears throat> it's not gone away, you know, to coin a phrase. Yes thankfully for the most part it's in the rear view mirror but would be well just well advised to um just keep be wary of it it's still out there in the last couple of days, Hassett's Bakery. They've been on this programme before, Have the nice people at Hassett's, over something wonderful that they did a few years back. You might remember what it was. But they've secured a major deal now with Lidl for some of their produce. Michael Hassett. Michael, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Good to hear from you. And you, sir. This is a marvellous, marvellous deal. What's happened with Lidl? They've taken on a number of your brands.
10: They have indeed. Uh, we've been very fortunate really. Uh, this all came about. Um, I suppose going back started late 2019, but um, it progressed rapidly from once we got into 2020 with the start of COVID. Our business changed dramatically because of, I suppose, a lot of our uh, business customer customers we supplied closed or had to close because of COVID. Um, and uh, we had a, a lot of demand from uh, Little for new products because they had demand from their own customers for, uh, uh, I suppose, a selection of different products as well, uh, because restaurants were closed, they had no, nowhere else to go, so you know, supermarkets were thriving at the time and we were very fortunate to hook up with them, yeah. and uh, started with a range of products with them uh, in 2020, which were individual dessert products, and it they were a huge success in it. Kind of led from there. We developed uh, a couple of new products for them recently, and that's the that's what started this whole new contract with them.
3: With vanilla and custard slice, coffee and cream slice, jam and cream donut, and chocolate cream éclair. The best of the best under the Rachel H brand.
10: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, Brilliant. And and you know, it has been a, a team effort really from the all the people in the bakery. They worked so hard to try and get this. Uh, Across the line um, because it's such a big change it's to massive business, contract you know? Yeah, absolutely You've got to supply least. a lot of cakes <laughs> There's a lot of needles oh, out there <laughs> It's, it's uh, nearly 180 stores nationwide so yeah, it's absolutely huge volume every week but um, yeah, we've been very fortunate Brilliant. with a great team of people working for us Uh, we've made some big investments in the company over the last uh, year, year and a half and that has meant that we can make these uh, products in the kind of scale that we have to yeah. when we we're dealing with such a big corporation like Little.
3: It's fantastic and congrats, congratulations. I, was, I wonder what people remember, I'm sure they do, the, the year that you rescued the jelly star. That was... <laughs> that was <laughs> that's when we first talked on the programme and Hassett's has big, continued to grow and grow and grow and it's wonderful to see it. Hassett's Bakery, 6 million euro deal with Lidl for the uh, provision of some of their best cakes congratulations to all at Hassett's and yeah the Jelly Star thing a few years ago what happened was one of the tins of biscuits was at USA Assorted or some one of those the Little Jelly Star disappeared and there was panic oh this was an existential crisis people were afraid to people didn't sleep over this. And Hassett's stepped in and recreated the Jelly Star. And I think they'll still do it at Christmas. Thanks, Michael. 0818 96 96 96. Reminder to you, if you're out the back this weekend, and why wouldn't you be, get the burgers on, grab a beer, get a book, and just sit out in the sunshine. We're going to get some proper summer and bring the music with you. The, uh... Backgarden Festival, brought to you by Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. All the artists from all the concerts all summer long, the Backgarden Festival. You can stream it on the app or at 96fm.ie Did you ever wonder how much it costs GAA players to go around to training and to drive from work to training to home back to training, to matches. It's a very expensive pursuit. And because the GAA is an amateur organisation, they don't get paid to the point where it is almost, it would appear, unsustainable. Libby Coppinger uh, is a Cork ladies' jewel player and joins me. At Libby, nearly 1,500 quid a month. Good morning.
5: Good morning, how are you? Um, yeah, I guess, you know, you kind of, You know, the miles would be totting up, but it's not until you see the actual um, figure of what you're, you know, spending um, that you kind of realise how much is actually going into it.
3: What Um, kind of travelling are you doing in the course of a busy week in high season then?
5: um, So I guess I kind of, I'm trying to split my time between West Cork and um, the city because I, you know, I'm trying to save the mileage in the care and also just trying to save the amount of hours that my body's in the car as well um, but we'd be training, with football they train Wednesday, Friday Sunday and Komogi are Tuesday Thursday, Saturday um, and then you now it depends on the week, you know, when we're playing both, you mightn't be going to every session but there'd definitely be three sessions for each team, so say, you know, the footballers would be doing three and Komogi would be doing three um, and then you're trying to get your gym session on top of it, so, you know, it's four nights in the car um, yeah. regardless of which um, code you're playing, I suppose
3: And as petrol or diesel goes up
5: Yeah, exactly um, like, it's never been too cheap, but um, it's getting, you know, less and less sustainable, I guess, when you're looking at it, when you're driving by, seeing the um, the numbers for the fuel, but um Yeah, look, I guess it wasn't until I actually sat down and did up the costs for the GPA um, that it kind of, it really drew my attention to it.
3: Yeah, the Gilead Players Association of which you're a member
5: like, is there any
3: are there any expenses is there any expense scheme to cover the amount of travelling that players like you have to do?
5: Um, Last year now was the first year that we got any sort of expenses Um, we received a bit of a lump sum at the end of the year but looking back it probably didn't cover you know more than a month or two. Um, at the time I was delighted because it was the first time we got anything but um, when you in hindsight I suppose you're kind of realising what you're actually putting into it. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you, you, it's tiring as well all this travelling.
5: Yeah now like you. I suppose you know yourself the travelling can be okay sometimes it's I find the car you know, a bit therapeutic sometimes. You know, you can listen to whatever and kind of either get yourself right for training or, you know, kind of come down off it because um, it could have been a tough session or whatever. But yeah, it, it's definitely tough on the body and you kind of have to try and manage it so you're not... Um Mm. spending too much time in the car and making sure we're doing enough stretching after mm. as well to prevent any injuries either. Yeah,
3: because the car isn't great on the old back, particularly if you've been fore and after a, a heavy training session. You did seven or eight of you did this diary up for the GPA and did your figures, and like you said, you, you, you actually didn't realise how much you were spending until you sat and you wrote it down in the form of a diary. Do you think anything will come out of this?
5: Um, I hope so. Um, I guess, like you know, we as players, you want to be, you know, voicing your opinion and stuff, but you kind of don't want to be given out too much in, in your season. You're trying to concentrate on playing and, you know, playing to your best of your ability. But um, I guess thankfully the GPA are recognising it and they're trying to raise awareness. So I'm just happy to, you know, show what I've been doing. And like, it's, you know, it's not just me that is totting up a lot of miles. There's girls from... Beira, um, you know, like Anya Terry and Claire O'Shea, and yeah. then we've the likes of Melissa um, and Rochin Phelan were travelling down from Dublin as well. So, you know, there's girls who are just travelling within Cork and they're totting ta- up crazy mileage, yeah. and then the girls who are living outside trying to um, commute back to get to training. So, right. like, it's all over, and it's not just in Cork, you know, it's, it's all intercounty um female players. Yeah.
3: If you take Bera somebody coming from, say, Allahies or anywhere like that or Adrigold or anywhere like that into the city to do a training session. <laughs> that's that's a fair drive there and back. Tiring, if nothing else, but very expensive over those roads.
5: Yeah, definitely. We were, um, one of the girls was actually up in Galway last year and we were joking that, like, she'd nearly get to training quicker than the girls would from Allihys. Um which is madness, you know, when you're travelling within your own county. But, yeah, it's, it's everyone's starting up um, outrageous miles and I guess just when you look at it you're trying to I suppose the big message is we don't want to be out of pocket for you know representing your county and, yeah. um, and it is a great thing and we're all delighted to be yeah. able to represent yeah, yeah. our county but um, I suppose it, it's good to shed a bit of light yeah. on it as well I that. think
3: when we're watching people on the television playing matches and we're getting great enjoyment out of watching those games you know, I think what you've done as a bit of research is you've you reminded people of the commitment involved, and, and there's a massive personal financial commitment involved as well. And for shedding light on that, uh, we thank you and all of your colleagues. Libby Coppinger, a dual uh, football and camogie player with Cork GAA. Thanks, Libby. Spending an average of up to 1500 quid a month just to go to and from training. And they're amateurs so they don't get paid for that they don't get paid to play and they don't get paid to travel to and from the games and that was a survey they did for the Gaelic Players Association it'll be interesting to see if it goes anywhere now there's a new pirate trail started up and you'll have heard a lot of publicity about this on the news and you'll have seen a lot of Posters up, and I got a pack in front of me here with a map and some QR codes, and it's the locations of all the buried treasure for Cork City's Playful Pirate Culture Trail. And it looks just like so much fun. Dr. Danielle O'Donovan from the Nano Nagle program uh, joins me. Danielle, good morning.
11: Good morning, PJ. Thank you for having me on.
3: This looks like so much fun. Tell me more. Well,
11: that was the intention. That was the intention. We really wanted to... You remember last year we did the Playful Culture Trail? Yeah. And um, and it was all the 15 museums, galleries and attractions and lots of green space in between. And we said, how can we make it even more fun? And I mean... There's nothing more fun than the pirate, I don't think. So we just decided we had to fill the whole thing with pirates. So it now has a pirate theme. And the idea is that there's treasure in all of our museums and galleries and heritage spaces, as you know. And so we're asking kids to go and find it. And when they do, they can stamp their treasure map and move on to the next place.
3: Okay. And the QR codes that you sent me, what are they for?
11: Well... I've got a special request, PJ, for anybody out there who is um, in a, biz- a hospitality business or any kind of business. If you would put a Blaheen the Lizard uh, with a QR code in your window, it would be such a great way of promoting the trail and letting as many people know about it as possible. So if you would like one, we're going to leave a big pile of them behind the counter in Nanoneagle Place. And I'll try and organize a few more places Um To put them, and we'll let you know that on social media, so that people can pick them up and um, share the love. Because I remember last year, Blahine is this little pirate. Well, she's a lizard. She's a native Irish lizard. She actually lives in the Glen River Park uh, in her off season. But right now, she is dressed as a pirate, and we are asking children in this who visit all of our cultural attractions to find her. So she's hiding, Um, and that's another part of the playful. Pirate Culture Trail. So you've got looking for treasure, fun things to do in the museums and galleries and hunting for Blaheen. So if people were happy to sh- put those uh, QR code stickers around the place, it would be a great way of letting people know about the trail and Blaheen the lizard.
3: Now I'm looking at the various pictures and the various places. You've got the, the marina, Nananagel Place, the Glucksman, the city jail, the Butter Museum, the military museum Blackrock Castle Observatory, out as far as Blarney Castle. There's more than one day in this, Danielle.
11: I think so. And, you know, I think um, what we really want to do now is have kids leading the way um, and, and spend days having fun with this trail. You know, um, Cork's a playful city, as you know. And, um, you know, kids' opportunities for play, are they're getting smaller and smaller. Their range is getting smaller. People don't get to play outside as much. People don't get to... Um, yeah, go down the street with their friends. as Much we're very cautious of the kids and play. So, so Corks play for, um, culture spaces have kind of opened themselves up for play. And so we want to spend kids to spend days and days and days um, completing all the activities on the trail and um, and having fun. Yeah.
3: And there's an environmental and a sustainability side to it too.
11: Yes. Um, well, you know, pirates live on the ocean. PJ. so I mean they are, are just naturally environmentalists um, uh, so they want to keep the ocean clean so the idea is Blaheen wants to teach you that you shouldn't really be using single use plastics so all of our young people they've you know, they been through the green schools program, they're probably better educated on the environment than we are so they can teach us along with Blaheen to look after the planet and to look after the ocean so there's a, there's a nice mix there and also we we've, we've working hard to make uh, the trail as inclusive as possible for, for, for children of all different um, abilities so we're, we're trying to let people know where which places are wheelchair accessible we're trying to get low furniture into our museums and galleries for children so we're working hard to make this open to as many people as possible that's another message that we want to send out um, we, we want there to be no barriers to access for people to come and visit all of our really beautiful cultural spaces in Cork.
3: You have got um, a website playfulculturetrail.com
11: We do. So you can go and find all the details there and that gives opening times, it gives that access um, information that I was talking about and um, also just to say around the edge of the map there's a whole other set of activities that people can do. Remember last year we had um, 30 different Things to do. Well, we've got twenty kind of maritime thing, uh, things to do around the outside of the map. So yeah. there's actually so much do, to do on this map. It's your whole summer sorted.
3: Okay. <laughs> All right. Good luck with it, and I hope it's a huge success for everybody involved. Uh, Dr. Danielle O'Donovan, from the Nano Nagel Program Manager, and it is. It's fun. And if you've got a couple of kids and you want to give them something to do on a summer's afternoon, it's great. And the QR codes and the maps, uh, you'll find everything on Playful Cultural Trail. Access
2: all areas on Cork's 96 FM.
1: Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's
12: Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Tickets are now on sale for three nights of Tommy Tiernan's brand new show, Tom Foolery, coming to Cork Opera House this October. Check out corkoperahouse.ie for further details. Access all areas. Following a run of successful shows in 2019, Cork Rocks returns to Cork Racecourse this summer and has announced Hot House Flowers as their Cork Rocks headliner. It takes place at the race course on Friday, July 8th. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at
2: 96fm.ie Access All Areas.
1: With Harvey Norman and JBL. Your specialists in sound this summer.
2: On Cork's 96FM.
1: Can we just talk?
2: Opinion line with PJ
3: Coogan.
1: Text or WhatsApp now. 96 96
3: 96. on Quartz ninety six FM. Now, if you are heading off on holidays this weekend, make sure that you've got our apps downloaded before you go onto your smartphone or onto your tablet and have them ready so you can listen to us by the pool or on the beach or wherever you happen to be going on the holiday. Download the app now, and then even when you're away, you can listen to us, you can contact us here at the Opinion Line for free. You know, you might be just listening by the pool of a morning and a thought would come into your mind. You can drop us a voice message or give us a call. 83 is free, of course, on WhatsApp. And if you have a smart speaker and you're bringing that with you, well, you can just ask it to play Corks ninety six FM. So we don't have you don't have to leave us at home. And the podcasts are all on the app as well from the show. So there's no excuse to lose contact with the opinion line while you're away on your summer holidays. 0818 96. eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. It's been a busy and exciting year for our for True Tides. I've been following their fortunes uh, for quite a while now. They've a new single out, which I'll play for you in a little while and a few years ago or a few weeks ago rather they also packed out them and uh, the youth orchestra packed out the city hall exciting times kian mcsweeney good morning
13: pj good morning it's uh great to be on your show
3: you're absolutely flying it lads
13: uh, yeah, no, it's great. It's fantastic. We're, we've we really been enjoying uh, kind of getting back after a, a, a long two years of waiting around. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's just fantastic to be back playing shows. And as you mentioned, they're uh, packing a Cork City Hall with the Cork Youth Orchestra and uh, playing our music again to that many people. It uh, was just unbelievably special.
3: Pierce McCarthy, who I know is a huge fan, is still talking about that gig.
13: Ah, oh, Pierce is a legend. Yeah, yeah, I saw him after the show there. Uh, that was some crack. <laughs>
3: yeah. The 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 pandemic really. You you were you guys were just on the up and just starting to take off when it hit you at just the wrong time.
13: I know. And I think it's kind of a story for so many artists, really, you know, in around that time. And, uh, you know, we really started to we'd signed, you know, record deal. We'd done all this sort of stuff. And then we were like, right, here's our plan for the year. And uh, we'd already decided on a song called Survive that December 2019 before anybody knew anything was happening. And then uh, as our release date of March uh, 27th approached, we were like, oh my god the whole world was shutting down and we thought is it appropriate to re- even release a song called survive and then okay. you know we realized i mean you know we just had to to plow on and do what we love doing and, and put music out there that yeah. feels good and uh, thankfully it really connected and went great so yeah. we just kept busy
3: it's really popular your music is, is really popular and and it's great to see and i love the production values in it it's, it's really well put and your facebook has got some videos of making the new song. It's great fun to make a song, isn't it? To get in and write it and do it and rehearse it and play it. It's fun.
13: We're very fortunate, uh, you know, to do what we love uh, uh, and to be able to do it with people we love. You know, I mean, I've got my two brothers, Owen and Connor, Maxwini in the band with me. So, uh, you know, we we really get on with each other at this stage. We got all the fighting out of the way many years ago when we were kids. And uh, we get on great. And then we, we work, we often work with this brilliant producer. Um, he's based in Dublin. We won't hold that against him. But uh, <laughs> Philip McGee is his name. He works with Code Line and all these people. And he's just a great guy. And yeah, we always try to just make it a, an enjoyable experience, especially with songs like Beating Heart, where where you know you want the feeling to be yeah. joy. That's yeah. the kind of, that's the vibe we want to give across. Yeah. That's what we do at our shows. Yeah. And I think you know when you put yourself in into the music like that. I think it shows, you know. Yeah,
3: the, the, I forgot about the, the marquee as well with the Coronas. Like.
13: That it was phenomenal. That was Absolutely the day
3: you released phenomenal. the song. That was the day the, the song came out.
13: Correct. It was it was such a special day for us. I mean, again, in particular after being so long away, and then suddenly, you know, court crowds are just unbelievable. Like we grew up. Um, just a stone's throw from the marquee in Ballon Temple so we were literally able to walk down say see you later mum and like walk down <laughs> you know down to Soundcheck you know it was kind of a dream plenty of 4,000
3: people just, in your backyard
13: you know I mean literally yeah it was just incredible and, 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 and as I say you know uh, everybody like showed up early and uh, often when you're the support you know you, it can be a bit less than the main event but the the crowd was, it was just a full house and, you know, just to see people singing our songs back to us in our hometown, it was a really emotional and just awesome. brilliant night to launch that's that single. That's, that's and, awesome. And I guess yeah, coming out amazing. of
3: the back of the pandemic, like we all missed, and we've talked about it, so we all missed connection and that's what the song's about.
13: Hugely, hugely, yeah. I mean, I think maybe I couldn't avoid probably writing about that kind of stuff in a sense, and um, but absolutely it is beating hearts is really about it's about those people around you who who will always look out for you um even in your even in the times when especially in the times when you really need it mm. you know when maybe you kind of losing in your way and that's kind of what it's about it's kind of don't stop what you're doing keep tearing me apart because I need it your reason it's the beating of a real life heart in other words even sometimes when we're at our lowest and we feel less ourselves you know the kind of people who are close to us who aren't afraid to kind of Stick in and say, "Hey, are you doing all right?" Or, "Hey, yeah. you're not yourself." And, mm. and it's celebrating uh, the joy of 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 these kind of people in our lives. And and uh, I hope that feeling kind of comes across. Well, here. you know,
3: it's about it's about true friendship. And I think one yeah. thing is for sure, Kean, During the the last couple of years, we we all did discover very much who our true friends were
13: massively you know and you know i think we also online all these amazing videos coming out of amazing acts of kindness of neighbors and friends and stuff looking out for people and and or you know we'd all be on we we all remember the zooms you know uh, sitting on you know either playing games or quizzes or whatever, whatever it was, Bloody it was quizzes quiz. that's what i was trying to remember <laughs> the quizzes oh my god if i ever do another quiz in my life <laughs> what but, uh, a zoom one yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm Pump is not so bad. Absolutely. You know, I mean, um, it was just, you know, and and then it went on for so long, I think, even those lost their charm. And we, you know, we all missed that connection of just being in the room with a a human being and and, and with, with physically with people and even strangers and especially at a show where you get to share in the joy of an event like a gig, yeah. of yeah. a band you love, or that kind of stuff, yeah. you know. I, I've been loving getting back to shows, I love going seeing artists that yeah. I'm a big fan of and yeah. it's just amazing. It's, you it's know? fantastic. And, and oh, that's, we, we're social animals.
3: We, that's what we, we only we realized, I think, I think myself, the first big gig I was at was the Pet Shop Boys and I thought, my God, I have missed this so much and if that's just me I'm not even a musician I can't imagine what it must have been like for you guys I'm going to leave it there Ken. I'm going to play the song because you know we talking about it we should probably play it right so I'm going to play it <laughs> it's it's a gem it's full of joy and full of bounce and full of energy oh, and, and I love it and congratulations and and good luck with the rest of the career and we must catch up from time to time. That's Kean from True Tides and here is the song. This is a gem. It's called Beating Heart on Cork's 96FM. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM
1: Hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96FM.ie the lines are live And we're ready to talk Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96, 96. Text or
2: WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
1: Email opinion at 96fm.ie
2: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan
1: On Cork's 96FM
3: Yeah, I remembered what it was they meant to say to you after 10 o'clock um, Good to see the development there with Onakura. And the uh, Petitions Committee of the Oroctus, and wasn't aware there was such a thing, but the Petitions Committee of the Oroctus listened to passionate defense yesterday, really moving testimony on behalf of Onakura and the families there. And they now, the Petitions Committee, are to petition, as it were, the board of the HSE to see if anything could be done about reversing this crazy decision to close Onukura which we would have heard I think probably what date is today today is the 8th of July it would have been in or around a year ago I'd say maybe just a week short of a year that we first began to hear stories about uh, Onakura, and that's the second committee in a week that said now that they would ask the board of the HSE to look at this I remember last weekend reading that the Erectus Health Committee itself had now uh, pledged that it would write to the board of the HSE to see can anything be done. Because, And I'm not speaking out of turn here, and I'm not standing in anybody's toes by saying it, but in the year that we have been covering this story, the only people... Who actually want to close it. The only people who think closing it is a good idea, the only thing people that think there's no alternative but to close it are local HSE management. Nobody else, nobody else seems to think it's a good idea or even sensible at all. So we said at the start we would follow it to the bitter end and follow it we will. Uh, Whatever that bitter end happens to be and let's hope, let's hope That it works out well for the people that are down there. Good morning to you again. 0818969696. The text or WhatsApp is 0833969696. Now, I personally don't imagine I'd be watching a whole pile of television this weekend. In fact, in the summertime, I hardly watch television at all, particularly when the weather is like that. But I know that thousands of you sit down every night now at nine o'clock. It's almost like a drug. You have to get your daily fix of love island my daughter was home the other night and no, the sun didn't matter the food didn't matter the fact that we were sitting out chatting that did no 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 love island had to be watched had to be watched uh, kendra becker is editor with goss.ie it really has a grip on people hasn't it kendra good morning
14: morning thank you so much for having me pj um yeah i think you're dead right it really does i think This series in particular is probably one of the best ones in a long time. So it really, really has people gripped this year.
3: What has improved? Because it was kind of on a bit of a, a downer
14: the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, I, I I, do think last year was good, but we were still kind of very much in COVID times. And I don't know, there's something about this series which is just so good. I think the producers have kind of been mixing it up a little bit with some of the games and things that they've been throwing in there. Mm. But I think everyone this week is talking about Casa Amor. It was the most dramatic Casa Amor we've had in a long time. Um so, yeah, I think that's what has everyone gripped the most at the moment.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The girls left and moved in there and were joined by six lads and all hell broke loose, you might as well say.
14: <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, um, usually in Casa More you'd see one or two kind of heads turned or whatever. But this year it was kind of carnage, to be honest. A lot of people had their heads turned and yeah, it was just great television.
3: Yeah, yeah. Now Jack Keating arrived, Ronan's yeah. uh Jungfla and and yeah. of course everyone would think oh that's it now that's him sorted with with, with Mike Owen's daughter, Gemma. Didn't work out that mm. way. Did he mess up? No
14: No, poor poor old Jack, now I have to say, going into Love Island and being put into casa more you're kind of you know like the chances of you making it into the main villa are very very slim so i think he got a bit of a bad start by the fact that he was put into casa more i'm a bit surprised to be honest that the producers chose to put him in at that stage because the likelihood of him making it to the main villa is so slim Um so i am a bit surprised that they put him in at that stage i do think maybe if he was put in sooner as a bombshell he probably would have had a bit more of a chance mm. um, but it was interesting in his exit interview actually that came out this morning he said that he actually got quite close to Paige mm. in Casa Amor I know we saw him kind of chatting to Gemma about their famous dads uh, but he actually said that he had great chats with Paige in there but obviously Paige decided to stick with Jack's, which is a whole other situation. Um, so, yeah, poor old Jack. He's um, got yeah, more storylines than the
3: season of Coronation Street, to be quite frank with you.
14: Honestly. Very
3: hard to keep tabs on, on, on any of them. Do, do you see favourites emerging at this stage, Kendra?
14: Definitely. My personal favourite um, couple at the moment is Davide and Ekansu. I just think they're... Just so entertaining. And I think the general consensus on Twitter and, you know, where you see all the reactions online is that they are very much a fan favorite. Mm. She's been Um, a favorite
3: since day one, hasn't she? Just for her attitude.
14: Yeah. I mean, like she, as we all know, like she's an actress, like that's her uh, day job. So I think she kind of knows how to work the camera Mm. in the best sense. Um, I think she knows she's very aware that she's on a TV show and she knows how to kind of keep herself on camera, I suppose, by stirring up a little bit of drama here and there, which, you know, we all love from mm. Love Island, you know. Yeah.
3: This fella going around Jack and his sob story is kind of a calling card at this stage. Are people getting tired of it? You know, his yeah, emotional I mean, balance. Like he's, he's kind of got it. It sounds like he's following a script at this
14: stage. Yeah, I mean, this is what we saw. It was only a few days before Casa Amor. Um, Paige was kind of in between him and Jay. And um, during this, he obviously kind of got a bit afraid that Paige was going to pick Jay over him. So he had a bit of an emotional chat with her on the stairs in the middle of the night and said he'd never felt like this before and all this stuff. Cut to a few days later, and he's literally cracking on with three different people in, uh, during he's Casa Amor. He's edging so, his um, <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Uh, mm. But this is the thing, you know, like we, when you're watching the show, you're kind of like, oh, God, I know someone like that, or I know someone who would act like that. And I know Love Island, like it can get a bad rep um, in general for being, you know, reality TV. And some people might think it's trashy and all this stuff. But it really does um, reflect on, like, real experiences that people have in real life. I know a lot of things are heightened in there. Yeah. But, you know, like, in real life, girls are dealing with boys like this. Boys are dealing with girls like this, you know. So um, I think um, it's really interesting when you look at the show in that way.
3: Mm. It's our Irish lad in the running.
14: Dami. Yeah, um, yeah I think Dami has... Yeah, I think he's shot himself in the foot a little bit here because he was very much an early favourite from the get-go. But um, I think a lot of people aren't very happy with his decisions during... Uh, Casa Amor the past few days um, as we all know he recoupled with Summer last night and he was previously coupled up with India. Um, Now India ended up bringing new boy Deji back from uh, Casa Amor so they've both basically gone their separate ways but there was a lot of fireworks on the show last night as they both kind of shared a few digs at each other um, when they both uh, decided to recouple with different people so um, I think a lot of people are disappointed that he didn't stick with India, Mm. Um, but I feel like they could still rekindle things. Mm. I have a feeling that this isn't the end of Damian India. Yeah.
11: Uh,
3: It really is a bit like coppers in the sunshine, isn't it?
14: (laughs) It really is. But, you know, we all love to watch it. Yeah.
3: You know, you see all this in Copperface Jackson on a Saturday night, like, look at them again, they're at it again. But it goes on. There's a few weeks left in it, isn't there?
14: Yeah, there is. There's still about a month left, left, I'd say. Um, The interesting thing is, I, I think a lot of people don't actually know this, is that... The producers actually don't really set a final date until they're well into the series because they kind of have to see the way things go, and the way things play out. Obviously, if oh, they're coming to the, towards the end of the series. That's interesting,
3: Kendra. So yeah. there isn't actually a, there there isn't actually a defined finishing date. It can play out as it plays out.
14: Now, like towards the end, like towards the end of the series, they will set yeah. a final date. But, but they when don't start with the one. series starts. Yeah, exactly. They they don't have a definitive Frankly. date because they can't really tell what's going to happen. You know, and es- especially if they're getting towards the end of the series. And everyone's happy enough and coupled up, and there's no real drama happening. Like at the end of the day, they have to make a TV show out of this, <laughs> so I think they Delphine can decide drama. whether to wrap things up sooner. Yeah,
3: they'll find drama. Actually, Kate is on here saying it's the most fake thing ever. It's it's a claim often levelled at it that it's it's mm-hmm. fake as a seven euro note. What do you think?
14: I mean, like I said before, I think Love Island in general gets a bad rep. It's all reality TV does, to be honest. Mm. But um, I think if you look at it in a way, um, especially with this series, you know, and we even saw with um, the episode last night, Paige speaking to Jax about uh, finding out about his behavior during Casa Moore. And she was like, you know, don't get snappy with me and all this stuff. And I think you can look at it in a sense of, oh, it's, it's reality TV. It's just trash and all that stuff. But, like, Love Island has a lot of young fans. And to see someone like Paige speaking back to Jacks like that and standing up for herself, I think it does put across a good message, um, yeah. you know, for peop- women to stand up for themselves in these kind of situations and stuff like that. Because, you know, Love Island does have a lot of young fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um,
3: Oh, yeah, In like I said, of- we, we, we'd, we'd be abandoned. My my daughter would just abandon, abandon ship at nine o'clock at night, like, we're gone. <laughs> <You
14: know?
3: laughs> She's gone into the room with know- her dogs and that's it. Like.
14: Yeah, but I, I know a lot of people will kind of throw around that fake card. And, you know, Love Island isn't for everyone. Um, but, you know, it is a reality show at the end of the day, but it, it it isn't scripted. I know producers do kind of tell some people to have conversations here and there and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think like, a lot of people... One,
3: of, one of the things thing that's that. commonly sort of levelled against it, Kendra, is that we, we see an hour out of a 24-hour yeah, exactly. day. And there's mm. this kind of belief that at some point in every day... There's a briefing with the producers and everyone sits around and goes, right, girls and right, lads, here's what's going to happen. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You don't think that happens.
14: I very much think that they, the producers will kind of come around and be like, oh, you should, Gemma, you should have a chat with Luca over there or that kind of thing. Because at the end of the day, they have to know where the camera has to be and what to, you know, what footage to get and all that kind of stuff but they're i don't think they're ever told exactly what to say yeah. or what decisions to make but i think they're just more so encouraged to oh maybe have a chat with that person today because yeah. otherwise you know they'd just be kind of hanging around hanging you know. around
3: topping up the tan and and and, and yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I i keep saying if i won if i won the lottery Kendra, I would just, when they're gone out of it, I would just hire that, vi- that villa for for, for for six months and put it in the studio and do the programme from out there to be all right, wouldn't it? Yeah.
14: Well, the, the good thing is actually, this actually, uh, we published a story about this on the site today. You can actually rent that villa. Can you? And you can. Now it's six grand a week. Right. So <laughs> yeah, don't know if you're willing to dish out that kind of money. But yeah, you can actually rent it online.
3: Crikey Listen Good talking to you Kendra Becker uh, An editor with Goss.ie There's a thing You can rent The Love Island Villa For six grand a week How many does it What sleeps What Ten? Twenty? Huge number Do you know what Six grand a week Isn't bad for something That size If you could afford it Between a gang
1: Hmm and Irish on Corks 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. HiddenHearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM.
2: Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396
1: 96 96.
3: On Corks 96 FM. Quick one for you. Pride Vibes is live on the Corks 96 FM app. It's this brand new online radio station we've got for you. Playing the biggest hits and shining a new light on Irish life with conversations around the issues that matter in 2022. Join us as we count down to parades and celebrations across Ireland. You can stream it on the app or at the website or indeed it's got its own website pridevibes.ie supported by Voltrol the joy of movement listen now uh, with Corks 96 FM 0818 96, 96, 96 now the sun is out the sky is blue at last uh, the barbecue will be getting cleaned off tomorrow and I think a burger uh, a bit of sunshine and a cocktail or two Barry Hogan joins me from the Imperial Hotel. I, I guess people who do cocktails, Barry, must be sick of being asked for the kind of essentials for the old favourites like the daiquiris and the, and the Star martinis and the Cosmos. What are the big favourites these days? Morning to you.
12: Morning, PJ. How are you doing? I'm, I, do you know what? I always say to people, cocktails are cocktails and you kind of do what you want with them, yeah. but just... You know, and it's classic that's back in as well, which is always great as well. So, classic vintage cocktails like margaritas, old fashioned mar- martinis are back in, really? and especially like spritzes are back in as well.
3: Yeah, spritzes so, are huge, and they're, they're nice and light.
12: Nice and light, and it's all about fruit, fruit, and more fruit. So, you probably get some of your five a day out of a cocktail this summer, yeah. uh, especially with the. When yeah, the it, it's
3: also disguising the fact that they hit you like a bullet afterwards. That's the. <laughs>
12: They do, they do, but you know what, all in moderation, all Indeed. in moderation.
3: <laughs> Indeed. I have to say, I'm not a, I would be a cocktail drinker only in the very hottest of weather, and I'd be a daiquiri man.
12: Yeah, well, do you know what, I would always say, if you're a daiquiri man in the summertime, definitely I would try, we've got we've got absolutely gorgeous uh, spritz on the menu, alright, and as I said classic spirits are kind of back so your Aperols your limoncellos mm. and you know you know even like tequilas are kind of silver tequilas are kind of back which is always really, really? cool so we do a gorgeous cello spritz which you can definitely make in, the, in your garden at home it's absolutely super simple so you could do like a little bit of limoncello a little bit of vodka topped up with soda water and then a dash of prosecco on the top of it mm. and you know what you garnish the glasses like exactly the way you like if you like a little bit more citrus with a little lemon and a little bit of mint to kind of marry that off yeah. absolutely gorgeous or you can cut up some fresh strawberries and throw
3: that in there as wow. well it's absolutely gorgeous the one thing that's very hard to do at home is crush the ice the same way as you guys do
12: um, do you know what no where there's a will there's a way <laughs> and I always say get yourself a tea towel and if you have a rolling pin or anything like that <laughs> in the drawer yeah. take it out you know, uh, and that that will do the exact same job
3: as uh, well, my
12: very very talented mixologist. This this
3: this one over. arrived. This the wife arrived back across uh, 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 our summer or two ago from the range w- with this thing like a food processor with a handle on it, and and you stir it like in Egypt, and it crushes the ice stone, and that's nice too. <laughs> but there's yeah. a lot of muscular activity involved in that. I think it's, food,
12: it's always nice when you can press a button. That
3: <laughs> food processor is probably exactly. like you said the the rolling pin and the thing. Um, what's the easiest ones to make at home?
12: Do you know what? I always find the easiest ones to make at home, I always think, especially in the summertime, is I would definitely say margaritas. A margarita is absolutely like you can kind of do what you want with. So it's really simple. It's three ingredients to make a standard margarita. So it's lime, uh, tequila and a little bit of Cointreau. Super easy, all like equal measures. You know, Mm. you can't really go wrong with it. But then you can kind of I suppose when I say i a classic, you can do classic with a, with a kick. So if it's, um, we do like, we add pineapple juice and coconut milk to it nice. inside. So um, it's absolutely gorgeous, really refreshing, really light. And the coconut milk kind of makes it a lot easier because there can be quite harsh spirits to, to kind of drink. So the coconut milk, but you know what? Going back to your fruit blender, if you have s- strawberries and raspberries, frozen fruit inside, yeah. you can make frozen margaritas and, da- like, dazzle that up.
3: Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. You, the, the, the Prosecco and goes well. Um, Rosé Prosecco goes really well as a base for stuff.
12: Rosé Prosecco is, yeah, Rosé Prosecco is absolutely gorgeous. So you could, with a Rosé Prosecco, well, what you could do is you could do a lovely Rosé Pamp which is always gorgeous in the summer. Very Marseille, very south of... Tell uh, me more. Hampton. What's that? So basically what it is, you can take your rosé prosecco, or even if you have a rosé wine at home, mm. add some strawberries, add some grapefruit juice, crushed ice, and dash some mint into it, into a glass, into a wine glass, two straws. It is the most refreshing Ooh, thing um, sound you'll nice. ever drink. It's absolutely gorgeous. Cool. Um, and we're quite lucky here in Cork, actually, because we've got some beautiful distilleries yeah. um, and things around. So we're actually very, very lucky that we have like, we can get rum from Spike Island. We can get Maharani gin from just down the Docklands. We can get, you know, we've yeah. got Killer Ore Orchard out in Glowntown. So we've got, we've got plenty yeah. to work with. We're, 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 really we're,
3: we're, we're, we're making all the good stuff. We don't have we, to go we are. We, <laughs> we don't have to wait for anyone to bring us back <laughs> bring it back from their holidays anymore we're hey, making it all. no no
12: we can grow anything here absolutely yeah.
3: absolutely and the, and the classics are back
12: the classics are back so as said spritz old fashions are really back as well they're always a nice Good. sipping drink outside and um, sometimes they're kind of you know really kind of like a winter drink but they're actually not if you put yeah. a little bit of bitters in there yeah. Top that whole thing up with ice and a little dash of soda water on the top of it. Absolutely gorgeous. Yourself
3: is weak for a Cosmo as well. That's a classic if ever there was one.
12: Weak for a Cosmo, absolutely. But you know what? I always say we have one now at the moment inside and we've got some fabulous mixologists inside Sketch and they came up with this absolutely gorgeous uh, mojito style drink with passion fruit, uh, lemon and gin inside there and it's topped up then. But it's... It sounds like serious tack. Oh, it, you know the way a mojito kind of like you give the crushed ice and the mint uh. and things like that so they've kind of taken a twist <laughs> and what they've done is they've put a bit of passion fruit inside there instead of the lime, they've put a little Matarani gin inside there, top it up with salt water and a little bit of aprol. And it's, you just build that in the glass. No need for shaking
4: or anything like that. It's too early in
3: the day to come charging down there at about 20 past 12. Barry, listen. Uh, <laughs> I'll hold the table for you, PJ. No problem at <laughs> all. Barry, great. Listen, from Sketch at the, at, the, at the Imperial Hotel, Barry Horgan, thank you very much. Um, I, I, I'll i be killed for it, but thanks, Barry. I'll tell you the story of the Pink Lush. The what, PJ? The Pink Lush. We were sitting out one evening. Was it last summer? It was uh, the, about the start of the heat wave last summer and we'd had a barbecue and a couple of beers and herself started doing cocktails and um, there was a bottle of Prosecco involved and there was a few bits of crushed fruit and there was ice and there was this, that and the other, God knows what else went into it and it was kind of pink and very sweet and quite delicious and we had no idea what it was so she christened it Pink Lush and she took pictures of it and she put it up on Instagram and there it was the Pink Lush and we, well, we enjoyed it so I said to her the following day what was in that? what was in that? It was lovely My next guest on the Opinion Line today has performed in Switzerland Croatia Arabia, Asia He's a favourite in Melbourne He's a favourite in New Zealand And he's this weekend He's back in Cork Actually, have you ever been here before Wool? Good morning
0: well, Good morning to you too Yes, I've been, uh, I've been to Cork many times and I'm very excited to be back
3: Fantastic, Vancouver man, living in the UK now, which prompts me to ask you, like for a comic, for a stand-up the events at Number Ten Downing Street—they've got to be a whole routine in them.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been—it's uh, been quite a few days. Um, I don't know—I don't know if, how you feel about it, but I—I uh, I already kind of miss him. Do you? I'm not going to miss the lies, but uh, he was—he was very entertaining um, yeah. with his uncomfortable relationship with the truth. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I've I, I sort of, I've sort of been um, going back and forth. Like I, I feel for his wife. Uh, Which one? Because, uh, yeah. Ex- well, <laughs> yeah. I feel for his wife and all his mistresses. <laughs> I don't know what they're gonna do um but then i and then i stopped feeling sorry for her because she stole him um from another woman who was very ill at the time so she deserves everything she gets and uh, i'm yeah. i'm happy she's having a See bad
3: the way day. they want to hold on now to number 10 for a little while so they can have a garden
0: party for their wedding i mean you know <laughs> Yeah, I I don't think she's a very good person. Right, like right up, at, like she came up with him to do the little goodbye speech, wearing her baby like a bulletproof vest, as if to say, like, oh, look, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm like one of you. No.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bizarre situation, and I guess people, com- comedy writers will and and performers will will make meat out of it. Well, and and you know what? There's probably months in it yet. I mean, who are we gonna get? Or who are they gonna get? God bless them and spare them. Who are they gonna get to replace this guy?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, my my biggest fear. It's 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 like Putin, you know. Like oh, you think get rid of him, but you know they've got like an extra Putin y Putin behind him. That's gonna be worse. You know, as long as it's as long as it's not re-smoked. That's the, uh, the yeah. that's, that's that's my only caveat, and hopefully he can now go back to his old job as being a uh, manager for wrestlers. <laughs> it's the little hands that does it for me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: he's, like a, he's like a little sea lion in a pinstripe suit. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Should,
0: it's, just... <laughs> it's
3: gold. It's absolutely gold. Come here, you have a new podcast starting as well, I think. With with yes. with
0: the uh, the great
3: Andrew Maxwell, tell me about that, Glenn. Yes,
0: Ireland's very own Andrew Maxwell. Oh we've been having a we've been having a blast. We've been practicing. No. Uh, we haven't released anything yet, but uh, yeah, that's coming in. Um, that's coming in September, uh, and it'll be um, a World uh, Weekly Current Affairs. Um, oh no, deal. Current Affairs. Yeah. You too.
3: I mean, we know what Maxwell's like. I've never spoken to you before, but I've, I've watched you on TV and I've watched you on video. But Maxwell on current affairs?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he's funny because I do all the prep and he's just he's already prepped. <laughs> yeah. I try to shock him with facts and he he, he already knows it. And does and three other that's facts. That's exactly what I mean. I he's
3: know. so I mean, he's so on top of what's going on.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> that, yeah.
0: Uh, what's that? What's that going to be called then? Uh, we haven't got a name yet. Uh, well, we actually do, but uh, we haven't uh, we haven't trademarked it or anything. Right. So, uh, so that's not it's that's a not the secret. This
3: All right. <laughs> you're back at you're back at the comedy club uh, here in the city, uh, City Limits, which is a long-standing favorite of so many people. And so, uh, now, and it's quite a small venue, but it's a special kind of a venue.
0: It's a special kind of venue run by a special kind of man. I'm sure you know uh, Brian. Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm absolutely uh, stoked to see him again. <laughs> last the last time I saw him, uh he said something that was very funny and I I've, I've teased him about it since. Uh but I told my wife the story and she had the exact same reaction. So maybe it was we were we were having lunch and there was uh the t- the television was on and there was a news story um just it was a, just a flash in the pan news story a couple of years ago where the scientists had made some advances in head transplants. And they were saying, well, in the future, you may be able to get a head transplant. <laughs> and right. Brian looked at me and he goes, why would you want a new head?
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Maybe, maybe. I laughed and I said, Brian, it, 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 you wouldn't get a new head, you'd get a new body. <laughs> and Maybe uh, that but-
3: explains <laughs> Boris. <laughs> Where's the rest of him?
0: Yeah, well, I think if 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 you got a head transplant and you woke up and had a head like Boris, you'd get your money back.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's like someone said then, I thought the best one I heard about is year, someone said, yeah, it's like a big pile of laundry, unwashed laundry with a yellow tea towel on top.
0: <laughs> yeah, he definitely looks like a... Like a monster from Fraggle Rock. <laughs> <That's what> I... <laughs> you could gonna... maybe that maybe that's a new job for. Me.
3: I know you got a couple of small kids as well, bringing them up through lockdown must have been fun.
0: Ah, well, I mean, I I had a wonderful lockdown in that my kid was two years old and just you know it was just every day I was taking him out for long walks in the countryside and I think he's got a fractured idea. Of reality, like, because he's now like, well, I mean, daddy just hangs out every day and we go for walks. <laughs> now, now we've got him in school and stuff, and he's like, well, this isn't, this isn't as fun as it used to be. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think he's he's hoping for a third lockdown, but uh, yeah. we're, the rest of us are not. <laughs> yeah, all right. Listen. But I did I did have uh, I did have fun. Um, and uh, yeah, now I've got two kids because of the second lockdown. Okay. <laughs> Just wasn't much else to do. I think yeah,
3: no, you you and you and a lot more people actually. There's so many lockdown babies around.
0: I know, I know. I think it's wonderful. I think yeah. We should. I think we should have them every year. It should be like uh, like old times. We should hibernate in a lockdown.
3: I always ask comics who are guests on the show, Glenn. Who's your comedy hero? Who's the best of all time Me. in your view?
0: I am. <laughs> Next question.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, amazing. I'm sure everybody says that. You um, do. Yeah, about me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Go on.
0: You know, Jar. You, you know, what you are.
3: And I watched a load of your videos last night, just ahead of this morning. You're a, you're, you are a first rate messer, which is why people love what you do so much. Then we'll pleasure having you on the show.
0: Oh, you too. Thanks so much for having me and uh, and I look forward to seeing uh, Cork on Saturday night.
3: Cheers. 9th of July, Saturday night. City Limits Comedy Club. Glenn Wool. He's his videos. He's just... He's gas, actually. He really is. Uh, David. Oh, now maybe things are easing up in the passport office. Uh, we haven't had too many queries of late. So you hope that they're Sorting it out in there. Uh, David says, I renewed my passport online at 3 o'clock Wednesday. Or yeah, 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 was it yesterday? Yesterday! Better again. And it was in the post this morning. Wow, <laughs> that's a turnaround. Couldn't have got that to you any faster if they'd actually driven it down and put it in the letterbox themselves, David. That's good to hear. And now the online was always quick, but that's quick, quick, like. Here's hoping that the rest of it is is sorting itself out, and that people who were sweating on whether they'd have a passport for the child for the holidays, I hope, I hope it worked. I hope it happened for you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Did you ever try Nepalese food? It's it's an unusual combination, and it takes its influences from both Indian and Chinese, which is hugely popular. Both india and chinese is hugely popular in in cork let's talk with basanta from Tali in nepal basanta good morning to you
15: good morning brise how are you
3: good i've only ever had the opportunity to to taste uh, your foodstuffs uh, once or twice uh, in the uk there'd be more nepalese food in in the uk and i would try it in london uh, years ago so i i know the flavors and i know the various but it's very very
0: popular
15: uh, yeah, pizza nowadays is very, very popular. Reason is popular, is I think, is my opinion. In Nepalese food, we use the very really limited spice, not overly spices. Yes. And we don't use moths cream or butter you know so just the amount of spice what we need we use and is a uh, we believe as a really really healthy option that's why i think is getting really really popular is nowadays and also the is nepal as you know is really small country but like uh, there is really really different many ethnic group and culture, so many different culture, like it's almost same size as Ireland is Nepal. yeah. But like a many cultural group and ethnic group, they all have individual food. Like is my minority have different food and other, if you go about half an hour drive, there's different food. Yeah. So there's lots of food is now is getting really, really popular UK and even now in Ireland is getting the area slowly, slowly. Yeah.
3: Say. You mentioned that sometimes it can even be spicier than than Indian food. That's true, but in the bit of tasting I've done, you can you can still... The really important thing about spice, as I'm sure you know, Basanta, is that the spice should be there to help the taste, not cover the taste of the actual ingredients. And that's the beauty of Nepalese food. You can taste all the ingredients, but the spice is there too. Is that in the cooking or is it in the balance between the spices and the ingredients
15: uh, is exactly is the, the uh, we cook the food depends on the weather as well. you know like if you are the same curry we cook on the summer time we reduce the spice level like that like when the spice level is too high and that this weather right now is 23 24 right now yeah. we have to slightly reduce the spice level and same curry if we cook on the winter time and we have to increase the spice level. That way the flavor is is a uh, balanced out all the time. You know, yeah. like a weather and everything is balanced out. Because you know Nepal is, is from the top of the nearly like a minus 40 to where a border side of India is nearly plus forty-five. That kind of various temperature we have in Nepal. Yeah. So that's why we just cook the we keep the ingredients there, and yeah. to feel the taste to the
3: and, and and like I said, the balance is important because once if the flavor is overpowered by the spice, you've gone too far. There's skill exactly. in that
15: exactly so that's all the has has to learn from actually, the actually is mother is mother is the all the way to teach from learn from everything is moms you know like uh, without mom there is nothing so we all learn from there is nothing like a uh, uh, indian cooking or any mexican cooking but what we learn is just from mom and where they swing is like a uh, temperature and everything so we can't over Spices. So if like over spice, like I would uh, kill the flavor of the actual ingredients. That's right. So we have to understand that.
3: Yeah. Uh, my experience is with more vegetarian dishes. Do you use meat much?
15: Uh, no. Back home is like if my childhood, if I remember, we eat meat every second week or third week only. We yeah. are all vegetarian and even the vegan as well. Like most of the our Nepalese food, you can find gluten-free or yeah. vegan-free, vegan option. Like a uh, vegetable is the main source of the our food. Like uh, uh, our main food is dal vatar curry, it's kind of like every daily basis. Yeah. So there is almost like a no meat at yeah. all.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you use, yeah. And you it, the thing about it, it's, it's a way of doing vegetarian food that you almost don't miss meat.
15: We didn't miss meat at all. When you have a really, really good curry, veg curry and lentil soup and ice, we didn't miss meat at all. Mm. There's 25
3: Nepalese restaurants in the country now. That,
15: that's that's, yeah, that, even, that's great. Even more than that now, actually. is nearly, last about 15 years only. Like uh, my, myself, I'm here in Ireland, is almost nearly two decades. Busy, and that time wasn't any single restaurant only one was in Dublin, but now is within fifteen years about twenty-five Nepalese around Ireland and more than thirty takeaways around Ireland. Yeah. so that fast is getting there.
3: Yeah, it's fantastic to see, and 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 great. To have, I think, I think our our tastes as as a, as a nation, as a country, are broadening with each and every year, and we're seeing more and more varied world foods now, right here in Cork. Great, great to see it.
15: Of course, yeah, and also the, well, I'm really delighted, all the Iris, uh, like um, our main customer is also Iris, you know, as I'm here in court, and they are really, really happy to try our food in the Thali Nepal restaurant. And Momo is the most popular other uh, dish we have on there at the moment is like a kind of, you know, in Ireland is people call dumpling as well, yeah. but it's yeah, not yeah. really dumpling. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very popular nowadays. Is a momo. It's a, uh, not in the, here, it's all over the world actually is getting there. his momo is actually come from Tibet, you know yourself, originality. But when it comes to Nepal, it becomes a momo and in secret ingredients, what we use is Getting is really, really popular. So now slowly, is from Nepal to India, and getting all around the world, it's almost very popular. So it's really great to see. Of course, Nepalese food is getting there, and we're really delighted. Yeah,
3: you use a lot of peppers and tomatoes. It's, it's uh, yeah, in, yeah. We yeah, use stuff.
15: really lots of tomatoes, peppers, and like a, there is a special herb we use is the Xinjuan pepper, which is from come from Himalayas and also the jimmu we use also that sacred harp between chive and uh, onion it's kind of like a different harp we yeah. use that also we can get only from Nepal, yeah. we can't buy anywhere in here. Yeah. So is, it, is, is it easy to get
3: it. staff in, is it easy to get chefs and, and get permits and stuff?
15: No, that's the main issue is here at the moment, actually. That's the main really, really hard part here. Uh, Problem is, like myself, when we open the restaurant, actually, we don't have any safe. And slowly, I thought it's easy to do it. But uh, we apply the work permit. And actually, our permit getting here is not that hard. government... And Department of Enterprise, they issue work permit. But problem is when they get the work permit from the embassy of the Irish embassy of the New Delhi, didn't issue the visa. That part is I can't understand at all. Uh, I don't know why. When the, they read all the document and everything, they approve the work permit. But when they approve the work permit, and they don't issue the visa from the, in the uh, sorry, Irish Embassy in Dublin. So that is a really, really hard part. Because of that, many Nepalese restaurants having a struggle at the moment. I think more, uh, many yeah. of them is closing two days or three days. Even myself, we are, sometime we are thinking maybe you we have to close staff. one day to settle the staff, yeah. Yeah,
3: you can't get the staff. Well, I hope that that changes sometime soon because uh, Nepalese, as I said, I have not had the pleasure of going to uh, Tali Nepal. I must uh, visit it very soon. I enjoyed Nepalese food in, in London uh, and it's gorgeous. It's a whole fantastic explosion of different flavors. And really good to see. You. And that's Bazanta from Tali, Nepal, uh, here in Cork. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. 96, 96, 96. Um, That message from earlier on, and if you're going to Dublin Airport this weekend, I should probably uh, give you this one, because if you think Dublin is the only airport having problems at the moment, we got this message earlier from Michael to say his brother was in a five-hour queue in Shipwale, In Amsterdam. God help you. Am I glad. Am I glad that next weekend, the weekend after this one, I'm going out of Cork. Am I glad I'm going out of Cork.
1: You're listening to Highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear
3: the full show on our
2: app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie.